Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Point of More Returns. I am your gracious co-host, The Masked Investor, and with me we have Wall Street C. Wall Street C, talk to us. Man, what's going on? Hey man, uh, I'm great. I'm great. Things are well. Thanks for asking. Everyone, thanks for tuning in. I look forward to an um, exciting pod today. Yes, indeed. Yeah, so everything is going well. What's going well with you? Got a new deal in tow? What's going on? Yeah, I put an offer in on another property. We'll see what happens, man. I I don't know. The 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 seller is is not being very responsive. So we'll see what happens. Not being very responsive and trying to see what happens. I can definitely appreciate that. Which kind of ties into today's episode. As for today, we're going to be talking about investing in out of favor industries. And what I mean by that is typically when a recession is coming, people will tend to tell you to stay out of certain areas. Like for instance, they may say, hey, don't invest in housing because housing prices are expected to fall. Well, for some of us as investors, we don't have that luxury to just be able to wait in time to market. All we can do is be operators and try to make the best of a bad situation. And so for today's episode, We wanted to dive into a little bit of just that. And so one of the things to kind of start off and have things thinking is let's just take a sample market. For instance, I'm going to use manufacturing for today. Let's say that over the next couple of years, we're just going to map out a scenario here and say that you've got a five-year forecast, but for the first two years of it, manufacturing is expected to take it on the chin, right? So what would you do in that situation to invest or for Wall Street C for housing and you you want to invest inside of a neighborhood and let's say you've got a big project like the belt line that's in Atlanta or a big factory that's supposed to be coming in that's expected over in Phoenix what would you do to try to you know get yourself prepared for the down years so you can take advantage when the good times start rolling again I guess we could start off with you, Wall Street C. So it sounds like something you, you might have been through before. Let's say you want to buy a house in a neighborhood and the neighborhood's supposed to be on the public planning for a you know, big time project coming over the next couple of years. But in the meantime, that neighborhood may be on the decline. What's your approach? What do you do? Oh, yeah. Okay. So this is this is a, a, a personal experience right and I, I have two quick examples so one i'm gonna <clears throat> excuse me i'm gonna try to answer your question like directly so you're talking about a potential situation where neighborhood you know may be going through some level of for lack of a better term like some level of gentrification well so not even gentrification maybe well possibly in the future let's say it's just one the map that good things are going to be happening, but the good things are a couple of years off. A couple and in years the meantime, off. yeah, you got your eyes on a house, but next door, you know, there's maybe a problematic tenant next door who maybe a trap house or a party house, or it could be something that, that just, you know, devalues the value of your in the meantime. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So it, let's, let's say it's not, let's say the, the, particular community is not like um, the particular couple blocks or town or whatever. Let's just say, let's keep it to, you're relegated to this particular 
one or two houses in this specific like situation. What I've seen people do is, and now these p- people are probably like very sophisticated investors. Their their time horizon is probably a lot longer than like a small a smaller investor like me who has a, a smaller portfolio. But they'll just wait it out. Like if you're well capitalized, like they literally just kept the property vacant. You know, I'm sure they paid the taxes. I don't even know if they have insurance. They might be self-insured or something like that. And they'll just like grit their teeth and like get through it type of thing. But for someone like me, I would have to be a lot more creative. I don't I don't have that luxury of just saying like, hey, I can just take a bath on this particular property until, you know, the tenant goes away from the house next door or like it's no longer problematic. And I can, you know, sell at a, at a high value and like ride off into the sunset. So. For me, I would, you know, either try to like negotiate or get on some type of level ground with like this particular next door neighbor that's causing some type of problems. That would be the first path just in terms of like my personality and like how I try to go about business. Like you're going to be better off trying to make friends than getting more enemies. But that doesn't work. Then I have to go another route, which I have to take legal action, which again is not (laughs) it's going to be more expensive doing that. And it just causes potential issues, especially if you have a tenant in place. So that's that's one situation. That's how I would approach it. You know, just try to get on some like try to relate, try to get on some common ground with the particular person. Say, hey, you know, can you keep your music down or, you know, can you handle your business elsewhere or whatever they, they have going on? And then if that didn't work, I would like go take a different route. But the other the other situation I want to make sure I touch on too that I have personal experience with is like, oh, stay away from real estate because prices are down or like, oh, interest rates are really high or whatever it is. Like when there's, and this is only my personal experience, like please seek out like professional investment advice. This is not treated as advice, but in my specific situation is like every time there was a lot of danger or risk or a lot, or a lot of uncertainty, I've been more prone to like go into those opportunities and I've been able to fare like pretty well. So hate to quote Warren Buffett because it's such a cliche now, but you know, be greedy when others are feel fearful and be fearful when others are greedy type thing. And the 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 global recession, 07, 08, 09 that happened like I bought my first property around that time and it was a lot of uncertainty around and I tried to time the market. Timing the market is extremely difficult. And that that quote is, you know, don't try to time the market, put time in the market, so to speak, because there are individuals that like sit and do this all day long in terms of trying to time the market and try to get in the exact best entry point and get out with the most profitability and it's extremely difficult to do it so i just say you know try to find good deals regardless like if you think it's a good deal whether the market is up or down i think you're going to be okay but that's been my experiences i tried to time it and i got a pretty good deal but i didn't know it was a good deal at the time because prices still slid a lot more than what i bought it for so i was up down for i was upside down on my mortgage for several years in terms of values and then when it came back it was great Right. Like, but those several years where I was upside down, it didn't feel good. So those are like my two examples of like dealing with like the challenges of either challenging industry or challenging investment or like buying in uncertain times. So that's that's my piece on real estate. Like I'll flip back to you to talk about like, you know, the, the buying business side of it. Okay. Man, sounds like you've had quite the adventure in real estate investing in those trying times. Coming to down market investing on the business side of things. I can speak to that from a 
peg and also an IB perspective where I've seen operators who've made an approach towards a company or a certain deal and just going to share a little bit of perspective from that standpoint. First thing is like, for instance, with the manufacturing, you want to kind of get to the bottom of why this thing is out of favor in the first place, right? And the way we you do that is we basically you start looking for to set an expectation for how far you think this thing will decline. So to understand why it's out of favor and see what the expectation for the decline is going to be, you just start looking at industry research, right? You're going to look at the you know, obviously the news articles already you've been following those, so you kind of got a consensus on what you think is going to happen, but it's going to put some finite, a little bit more granular, more pen to paper uh, finite number to it, right? And so uh, looking at those research reports and economist projections and looking at surveys, you can kind of get to a a growth rate that they are expect, well, or decline rate, right? That they are going to expect for that to happen through the industry, right? And once you have that, then you want to kind of go back to your company itself and got to get a growth rate of your company historically. So you, you want to see what your growth rate is in comparison to the industry. So if the industry goes up 7%, your company goes 10%, then, you know, you probably look on a downside. So if it's, the industry is expected to go 7% downside, you probably want to look at, you know, 10% on a downside as well. Just kind of the inverse uh, whatever that growth rate is going to be, you want to try to take that and apply that to your company so that you can have a realistic expectation of where you think your revenues are going to be headed that way. Once you got that applied to the company and you kind of put that on your top line, you can now start looking at the company more in depth and see, okay, well, it looks like profitability was going to be taken down. How can we maybe cut some costs here? or find a more efficient way to operate this thing to make sure we make it through these lean times. So when the good times start rolling, we're in good position to to be able to take advantage of it. So you want to look at those cuts you want to make. You want to make sure you're cutting fat and not muscle. You've seen times where someone may have laid off a whole division just about and left like one or two people. And then when things start pumping back up again, you know, you're just so lean that, you know, it actually damages the company to try to grow because you can't meet orders and people start getting a negative review. Actually was talking with a friend the other day who manages an e-com brand and they basically had made some cuts and then they came across a good product. And when they launched the product, they got a whole bunch of orders that came in and they weren't able to fulfill it. And then they got a backlog for up to like six months. And by then, you know, people started canceling the orders and the reputation got ruined and you just couldn't even come back. So you actually did more harm than good. But the other thing to look at, so once you've got all that in place and you say, aha, well, I think this can work. You, you Obviously, you want to structure a deal that makes sense. And by that, meaning that you may want to look at yeah, maybe giving a seller some more earnout or trying to come up with some other things that that makes sense for you, right? You want to do a deal that allows you to be able to to maneuver through this time period, or you think it's going to be lean, but doesn't leave it where you're not going to actually win the deal where the seller's going to back off. 
So that's the tricky thing. And it's hard to really go over that. That could be a whole episode on itself, just trying to go over like unique deal structures. I mean, that's pretty much a, 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 a class of on, onto itself. But just, you know, some things to kind of keep in mind there is just paying attention to, you know, payback periods, paying attention to length of, you know, rates, making sure you're not getting something that that resets at a bad time for you <laughs> or comes due at an inopportune time. Just kind of those things you want to pay attention to. And then lastly, just trying to take the plunge and monitor that investment. And those are just kind of some things that will give you a, a leg up as you start looking at down market investing. I guess want to touch back on the housing market there. So Wall Street C, what about you when structuring a deal for a down market in the house? Are there any things that you would pay attention to or that you advise someone would want to maybe look at a little bit more closely in this environment? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, I think I, I feel like I say this, if not every pot, every other pot, I model out everything. I forecast everything. I put pen and paper. I run the numbers and like the beauty of like doing deals in real estate versus other industries or like like even like buying businesses is I have a pretty good idea what my inputs are. And by inputs, I'm saying like I can call the bank and find out what interest rate they're going to give me. I can call the insurance company and find out how much they're going to charge me for insurance. I can call the repair company and see how much they're going to charge me to repair things. I can go to the local hardware store and find out how much it costs for certain materials and I can put I can put all that information into the model find out if this thing is going to make money before I spend a dime and be pretty accurate right and I think that's the beauty of like real estate is and that's why you can you can replicate it over and over again is you have a good idea of just running the model of what the expenses and the income like there's there's software out there to tell you like how much you can rent the property for with like some level of at least it, it may not be to the dollar but it'll give you a like a ballpark of how much you can rent the property out for and then you can use a real estate agent like a professional or can get a what a bpo like a price a, a price a, what is it a broker price opinion bpo yeah you can get one of those or like appraisals, things like that to figure out like how much the property is worth. All those things just kind of help like formulate having mm, solid figures when you're like looking at particular deals. So like the process is always going to be the same for me in terms of like me looking at a deal, like whether I can do it or not, because I, I follow the same exact process every single time. But like, so regardless if it's a down market or up market, like my analysis is going to help me determine if if the deal is good or not. And I just kind of stick to my guns with that in terms of following the same process. And the deal is good. If it's an up market and I'm like capitalized and I feel good about it, I'll still, I'll go for it. And then if it's a down market and the deal looks good, I'll go for it. And if not, you know, I'll stay away and just look for other deals. So I kind of stay true to, kind of stay true to, you know, the values and like the investment strategy. That's, that's my approach at least. Okay. Stay true to your core tenets. I can definitely appreciate that. That's if any don't take anything outside of this, that's the one that you would want to reiterate. <laughs> well, I want to thank everyone for joining for this. This wasn't going to be a really long episode. We just wanted to talk or touch on that for a little bit. I want to thank you all for joining for this episode of Point of More Returns. And we'll talk to you again soon. 